Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. And as we were um, worshipping the Lord, you know, the testimonies are powerful and everything. And, I, and I, in my heart again, just really letting you into my heart today, which is good. Um, and, and I was thinking, Lord, you know, the word that I'm about to share is, is, is powerful. It's spiritual. It's, and I thought, and I actually thought, wow, what I'm going to speak on is just as spiritual as all the worship that was going on and all the testimonies. It really is, when I say just as spiritual, because it is act of worship. It's an act of worship. I'm talk, oh, you know, we're, we're diving into the grace to give. And we're talking about, obviously, we're talking about the heart for the house. Um, and, and we're receiving the heart for the house offering next week. But I, wanna, I, I thought I can't teach on kingdom finance without teaching on tithes and offering. And understand that is the foundation of your financial um, strength, financial kingdom finances in your life. I wouldn't want people to give financially to the building if they're not in a place of where they understand tithing. Because that tithing understanding of revelation of what is the tithe and the offering is actually a blessing for you. But also it just teaches you the right foundation to be able to handle the wealth God wants to bring to you. I believe that with all my heart. And that's why it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual moment. That's how God said to me, it's a spiritual moment when someone gives of any offering to the kingdom. So all those people that have given already to the kingdom and to the building and for the building to buy the building, that's a spiritual moment. Don't see it as, oh, that's not spiritual. That's not powerful. That's powerful. That's an act of worship if you've obeyed the voice of God. And I've tried to say this. I said at the 9 a.m. service, if you give for God, then God will bless you. If you give because you're grudgingly giving, because you feel like you have to, because you got asked by the pastor, because Leo's asked you to give. If you give for man, then I don't believe you're giving. For, like, if you, if you, when you give for God, then he waters that seed. That seed comes, it grows and produces because you gave for his kingdom. And that's why the, that's why the Bible says uh, God doesn't want you to be grudgingly in your giving. You know, he wants because he loves a cheerful giver. So it's not, I have to give. If you're, if you're in that space, oh, I have to give, then don't give. Please, I want you to give because you want to give and you believe in the vision and you believe in what God is doing. And obviously there's an element of trust. I fully understand that. You've got to trust us as a church if you're going to give finances to us. If you don't trust us, then don't give. But I would also say this, that if you're a part of our church family and don't trust us, that's a big problem. Because every week you're hearing the word of God from our lips. You're sitting under and trusting our authority and submitting to our authority. The Bible says obey those that lead you and submit to the authority. If you don't trust us, how do you get fed by us? The word of God. You don't. And so it all works hand in hand. I'm trying to show you how it all works hand in hand. We have an act of obedience to God. So tithes and offering is really, really powerful principle. Um, now, when I first became a Christian, I got saved at, at, at the age of 19, like my brother who was a drug addict and lifestyle of drugs, drinking, a lot of other bad stuff. He was worse than me. But, but, <laughs> so, no, I was pretty bad too, but just stirring. Um, Tony knows I'm, I'm mucking around because um, I was two years under him following his footsteps. And um, thank God I got saved at 19 because who knows where I would have ended up. But, but when I got radically saved... 
And I remember people's tithing was going around. The word tithing. What's tithing? I asked someone, I believe in the church. What's tithing? They said, oh, tithing is 10% of your income. You give it to God. Okay. I fully, okay, I embraced it. Why? Because God had my heart. I didn't question it. It's okay, God, fine. It's just, I'll do that. That's Because every, everything, if it's in the Bible, I still remember saying, is it in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. And they show it to me. Okay, it's in the Bible. I didn't question it. You know? And so, I, don't I do understand to some degree, and please hear my heart. I'm trying to help us understand. You know, when you teach on something like this, I would love just to go, this is what the Bible says, let's just obey it. I'd love to teach it just on that angle. But the reality is, people do have mindsets and excuses and reasoning in their minds why they don't tithe. And one of the number one reasons in their hearts is, oh, it's an Old Testament thing. Or it's under the law. This tithing thing is under the law. We don't have to. So people say, is it under the law? Do we have to tithe? It's, it's, again, there's a lot of things under the Old Testament, even under the law times, like prayer. You know, they prayed in the Old Testament. Wow. But no one ever says to me, well, do I need to pray now that I'm in the New Testament? Do we have to pray to be saved? You know, now, now under grace, I don't have to tithe because I don't have to tithe. I can still be saved and not tithe, can't I? That shouldn't even be a question. You know, someone asked Joseph Prince about tithing and should we tithe, is it under the law? And he answered it by saying, uh, it's like saying, when you're married, should you kiss your wife? Uh, I hope you want to kiss your wife when you're married. It's a response to relationship. It's a response to my love. I'm expressing my love. And so tithing isn't a regulation. It's not a law. But it is a pattern of obedience to say, God, I want to respond out of love to you. And when you understand the pattern in the Bible and the principles that have been placed in there, and I believe it's a pattern to live by, it's like prayer is. But people have misinterpreted the grace message. This has happened over the years of our leading, where people go, I don't need to pray anymore. I don't pray unless, you know, unless I uh, want to. So what do you mean? If I don't want to pray, I don't pray. I'm not religious. What? Yes, I don't want to be legalistic or religious, he says. So he says, I only pray when I want to pray. Wow. If I, if I prayed only when I want to pray, I probably never would pray. Because my flesh is weak, but my spirit's w- uh, willing, Jesus said. So if you go by your feelings, so what do you mean? He totally, he's totally misinterpreting the grace message by saying, I'm not religious anymore. I'm not legalistic. I only pray when I want to pray. And we, we do that to praise. We do that. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that are so good that have come through the cross and we live it out of relationship through the cross. There's some things that don't come through the cross. I understand that. But a heart of giving... And so, again, the argument of the law thing, it's, that was under the law, when you understand the Bible, Abraham, who, who instituted the tithe, was 400 years before the law was even given. Moses gave the law. 400 years previous, Abraham, out of faith, started to put the tithe into place. He just gave 10% to Melchizedek. And you see him as a high priest in, in, chapter, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Let me just show you some things. Um, it's just interesting what the Bible says about this. I just I didn't get across to it in, in the 9 a.m. service. But Hebrews chapter um, 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, a priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils. Everything he received from, he, he spoiled some kings. He got into a war and took all their spoils, a lot of wealth. And he gave 10% of it to this Melchizedek priest, who's first, who first of all, by translation of his name, is king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, who is, which is king of peace. 
I love the picture that Melchizedek, and it talks about the fact that without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now, further down, it actually says Jesus is like Melchizedek. Like when you read the Bible in its context, it says here, verse 17 of chapter 7, For it is attested of him, you are a priest. Talking about Jesus, you are a priest. Actually, I should read earlier. Sorry. Verse 15. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of a law, of a physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. Talking about Jesus, indestructible life because he lives forever. He says, for it is attested of Jesus, of him, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So now we're putting Jesus is a, a high priest like Melchizedek was. And uh, we know that Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek as the king of righteousness and the king of Salem. So what I want us to understand, when we do bring the tithe, we give it to King Jesus. We've got to see it as an attitude. When I bring the tithe, every increase that I receive, I bring it to King Jesus. He's the high priest of my faith. I actually bring it to him. Now, now please understand, that's our faith. That's what we do it for. That's our obedience. Now, obviously, we don't send it to heaven. Like when I first became a pastor, I told you, you know, when I first became a believer, we started tithing. I started tithing everything that I received. And that's 1987, by the way, and I never, ever stopped tithing. Now, why I say that? Because some people try it. Some people go, I'm going to try this tithing thing. And the Bible does say to try it, to test God in this. But you need to test it with faith. Because the reason why people tithe and stop, tithe and stop. I'm talking about a lifestyle now. Tithe for a few months and then they stop for six months. Tithe for a few months, I'll try it again, see if it works. Is they're looking for a blessing from the tithe. Rather than I do this out of obedience to you and for you. If I go through hard times, it doesn't make me stop because I'm doing it out of obedience to God. I've been through many, many hard times financially. And when we first started, you know, when we first got married, um, we were very stretched financially. And so we always tithe. So if we pay the bills and have lights on, feed our children or not tithe, I would still tithe. Kristen and I would still tithe first. We gave God the first fruits. We actually gave it to him first, then fed our children, fed us, and the electricity, the lights came on, all that sort of stuff. Why? Because it's this attitude of the heart. And it's, it's this, understanding this though. I'm already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have all that I need and in heavenly places. I'm seated with Christ at the highest place of the universe. He's the head. I'm, I'm the body. I'm there. I've got everything I need spiritually. Everything's been given to us spiritually, to our account. It's mine. Now, I, I'm rich inside. I've got to see this. So because of that, and then God says in his word, the one that gave me everything spiritually, he gave me everything, all that I am and all that you are in Christ. He's given me everything. From that place, God says, I want you to bring the tithe. I give to him out of obedience to the high priest. But if I do it the other way around, I think, okay, I will try it. And basically what we're doing is I will give if you bless me. And then if, it does, if you look around in circumstances, it doesn't look like you're getting blessed, you stop giving. It's like you're trying to see if it works so that you could be blessed rather than I do this out of obedience to, to you. When you get a revelation that King Jesus put it in place for a reason, there's so many scriptures in the Bible that teaches us this. I mean, it even goes on. To, I, like, I, like, I think this is quite interesting. Just a side note. I like to share things that touch my heart anyway. Um, it says, 
In this case, mortal men receive tithes. And he's talking about, in this case, Melchizedek, he received the tithe. But in that case, one, in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives, he lives on forever. So again, it's referring to Melchizedek not having any beginning of days, end of days. He didn't have a genealogy. They didn't know where he came from. So they weren't sure that as a Melchizedek, was he a manifestation of a son of God in the Old Testament? Because angels ate with people in those days. You know that. They physically would give them food. They would manifest as a person and eat. And in, in the day, even Paul says, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, be careful who you entertain because sometimes we've entertained strangers unaware and they were angels. So we don't know if Melchizedek was that for sure, but we know he had no beginning of days, no end of days. So it gives us a picture that he's like the son of God. And so therefore we tithe to the one who it says here, again, in, the case, in this case, mortal men receive tithes, giving it to the Levitical priesthood as well. But in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives forever. Melchizedek, but also Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as a high priest receives your tithe. Now, when I first became a pastor, because um, I became a Christian, I became a Christian at 19 and started the church at 22. So I'm very, very young in the Lord, a young pastor. And so I started to um, you know, lead the church and people were getting saved. It was small, about 10, 15, 20 people, you know, the first few months and so on. And I remember... Um, the Lord started touching me at my heart about three or four months into the life of the church. Say, Leah, you need to teach on tithes and offering. I said, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. Because and, and I, I don't want people to think that I'm doing this for money. And it's so early, the church would say, yeah. And, I, and he goes, you know, and he kept whispering to me because people were getting saved. And, and I wasn't touching on that at all. And uh, the Lord kept saying, no, you need to do it. He goes, he goes, it's good enough for you, isn't it? That's what he said to me. You do it? I said, yeah, I do it. He goes, why do you do it? I said, because I believe in it. I believe your word says we should do it. So then your responsibility as a pastor, you need to teach people. Oh, God, I was fighting him for a while. Eventually, I said, okay, I'll do it. So I went to one of our Bible studies, like a connect group, and a lady was leading in a hair cell, and her name's Lisa Pentecost. She was uh, leading it, and let us, she let us do the Bible study there. And um, one day, I got there after I said yes to God. She's, guess what, Leah? Guess what, Leah? I said, what? God spoke to me. God sp- I heard the voice of God. She was so ecstatic because she heard the voice of God. I said, Really? What did he say? What, what did you hear? And he go, she started explaining that what happened. She, I was just in God's presence and I was quieting myself and I said, God, speak to me. And I was just listening to his voice and I heard him say, this is her words, you are robbing me, Lisa. And then she said, where am I robbing you? What do you mean, God? That's all she got. And I thought, wow, what a great setup of a circumstance. <laughs> all I did is went to Malachi chapter 3. If you know the Bible, I went to Malachi and I, I got her to read that. And she read it and just got more ecstatic, more excited that she heard the voice of God. Because the Bible, Malachi, God says, you have robbed me when you don't bring the tithe and the offering in the storehouse. And what's the purpose of the tithe and offering? For there to be food in my house. And he says, you've robbed me. How can God say we rob him? The only way you can say we rob him is if the tithe actually belongs to him. The reason why the tithe belongs to him is because he designates a particular purpose for the tithe. In the Old Testament, the purpose of the tithe was for the Levitical priesthood to live off. Now, I'm just summarizing because we're going to run out of time, right? But, but it's all over the Bible. I had to do my own study as a pastor so, because the Lord, I started thinking, Lord, what do I do with the tithe? When people start tithing, what am I supposed to do with it? What do I, what do I spend the money on? What do I do? We don't, you know, guess what? We don't send it to heaven. We don't send it to Jesus' feet from a rocket he doesn't need anything because of the gold in heaven his streets are paved with gold everything's jewels and 
precious stem, uh, gems and magnificent in heaven. But obviously, I just want to show you a picture that God takes that money and spends it on your spiritual well-being and your physical well-being. And, and he makes sure there's spiritual food in the house of God. Now, in those days, the Levitical, Levitical priesthood, when they finally got inheritance, that means physical land. When they finally took the promised land, the 11 tribes all got allotted physical land for them to work the land, agriculture it, and take the harvest of the land. They were told to take 10% and give it to the Levitical priesthood because the Levitical priesthood weren't, get, didn't get any land. They weren't allowed any allotted land, no land of inheritance for the Levitical priesthood because they were fully devoted to the house of God. It was the way God set it up. They devote themselves, the worshippers, the musicians, the janitors, the people that take care of the, the tabernacle and the ministry and the sacrifices. There was, a, there, was, there was thousands of them. We're talking about big, big numbers. Tribe of, you know, the tribes were thousands of thousands. And then the, the Levitical tribe were thousands. But they lived off everybody else's 10% of the land. Get it? So in our, how do you interpret that into the New Testament? Same thing. The, the Levitical priesthood live off the tithe as a wage, receive a wage off that. And so I remember when I first became a pastor, many, many years ago, I started slowly teaching this. And I mean, I got married at, I started the church in, in my mum's lounge room at home for two years I wasn't married. So I was living with my mum, Italian mum, didn't have to pay anything. She fed me, she take, took care of me. I was fed well. I got married and we lived at home for 18 months. She still take care of us. But, but when I first got married, it was the first time we received a wage. It was $240. And living at home in a little room when Leon was born. And then from there, we went to a two-bedroom unit. Our wage went up to $350. That's good. And, and, and our unit, unit was $185. So you have to walk by faith when you're paying half your rent to two-bedroom unit. And $350 was our wage. But God took care of us. We would always tithe and offer. It was the principle that we've learned from the Word of God. And, and I, I want to show, that's 29 years of faithfulness to God. Not trying it, trying it, trying it, trying to not stop it, stop it. It's something I believe in God's Word. He establishes His truth. And I see it as a holy moment. It, it says in Romans chapter 11, this is what we've got to get. Romans 11 verse 6. If the first fruits is holy, the lump is also holy. If you set apart the first fruit and tithe it and give it to the Lord, everything else becomes holy. You want your money to be blessed and protected? What does Malachi say? Bring the, bring the tithe and offering so that I will rebuke the devourer. And all nations can call you blessed. Because you get so blessed by God, we should shock the world with the blessings on our lives. Abraham was so rich and so blessed. Do you know that? But he had the principle of tithe. He taught Isaac on how to tithe, his son. And the Bible says about Isaac, look at this. Isaac was so blessed because he learned to tithe and offer from his father. And it says, now Isaac, this is in Genesis 16 verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year 100 fold from what he sowed. And it says, and the Lord blessed him. Everybody say, and the Lord blessed him, please. Because it's so important to know that the Lord blesses people. But he sowed in that land when it was famine, and he said, no, I'm going to sow anyway. And God blessed him a hundred times what he sowed. It was a big, big harvest. And it says this about Isaac. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. 
That's in your Bible is a man of God. Just in case some people have a problem with men of God, women of God, any person of God, any believer that has a lot of money. You know, most of the Old, Old Testament, of King David's wealthy. He wrote this book of Psalms. Solomon was one of the wealthiest kings in the world. And he wrote the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastic, and all these. A lot of the Bible is about wealthy people. Abraham, Moses, the blessed men and women of God in the Bible. So don't have a problem with wealth. Just have a problem if wealth possesses you. You know, money money's not evil. It's the root, the, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, but not money in itself. It's a very, very good servant, but a very bad master. So if money masters you, you're going to be controlled. But if you use money and as a servant, it would serve you well because it's a tool. It works for you. Money is not evil by itself. But Jesus says you cannot love God and love money. Because he talked about either you, if you love God, you will hate money, the, the love of money, uh, the mammoth, God, which is money. But if you love money, you're going to hate God. He, he's trying to show us you can't have two allegiances. But when you, when you say, I, I love God, money's not going to take a hold of me. And, and the tithing is a great tester. And in the Bible... If you know your Bible, the, word, the number 10, because that's what tithe means, 10, speaks of testing. God spoke to the children of Israel and says, you have tested me these 10 times in the wilderness. And there's a lot of examples in the Bible about 10 being the testing number. Even the 10 commandments God gave us to, 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 to obey God's word. So I believe test, tithing is a great attitude of our heart. It tests us. It's easy to you know, say, I'll start tithing. Now, and then when God starts to bless you, you and I'm talking about great prosperity, it's a funny thing that if you start to love money and, and find your security in wealth and find your security in money, and you think, see, money lies. And Jesus says, deceitfulness of riches enters in and chokes the word. Why is it deceitful? Because money's lying if you listen to it. Money tries to tell you that if you, make, if you get a lot of money, you'll be happy. If you get a lot of money and become a multimillionaire, you'll be secure. But it won't give you security. It won't get rid of fear. It won't get rid of anxiety. You don't become a multimillionaire and all of a sudden now I have no fear and anxiety. I just got this this money and it set me free from fear and anxiety. No, it doesn't exist. So it lies. So we've got to understand that. So when God can trust you with a lot of wealth and you use it to preach the gospel. Because even even, um, God gave a promise. He says, I will give you the ability to obtain wealth so that you may establish my covenant on the earth. He didn't say, I'll give you wealth. We read that, he's going to give me wealth. No, he said, I'll give you the ability to get wealth. He'll give you the ideas, the creativity, the desire. He'll give you the, he'll give you the thoughts. He'll give you the ability to get wealth. But what for? Not for to bless yourself and forget about everybody else, but to establish his covenant on the earth. Amen. I love the... Here it says, and so to speak, the writer of Hebrews says, so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, remember the Levitical priest was the one who receives tithes, he actually paid tithes. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. That's a really interesting scripture. It's in the Bible. The thing about that is that Levi, who was actually generations down the track from um, Abraham, Levi's not just his son. We're talking about way down. But he says, Levi paid tithes because he was still in there, in the loins of Abraham. 
That's an interesting one. I think you know, my children, this is, this is an issue. Your, when, I teach, when I taught our kids from the beginning about tithes and offering, Kristen and I, we taught them about tithes and offering, but they were giving before they were born. They were tithing and offering in our loins. It's an interesting thing. It's in their DNA. So they wake up, and, I mean, they grow, wake up, they come into this life, and they come into this earth, and you teach them about it, it's not a problem for them. For kids, it's not an issue. So, oh, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I, I have to fight this. And they're generous. They know how to handle wealth. They know how to give. They know how to tithe. They don't question, should I, should, let's try this for a while. Oh, no, I'm a hard time. I won't tithe. They do it. I love that. That's the power of your inheritance and in teaching the next generation. Do you want your kids to be uh, generous or do you want them to be stingy? Do you want them to care for the world and care for others other than themselves? You teach them these things. There's something about that that's powerful. Um, ah, God is good. Matthew 23, verse 23, just in case for those people that go, oh, but it's under the law and you know, it's the Old Testament. Well, Jesus just fixed it up. If any time he wanted to, if he wanted to bring in the fact that the tithing doesn't have to happen anymore, he could have just said it there and then, but he didn't. Verse 23 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. I mean, can you imagine them? Mint, the mint, to get away. The, 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 the deal, oh, a little bit of for the 10%. It's just a spice. And, and the cumin, and, and, but you have neglected, he goes, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. So you tithe meticulously and religiously, and you forget justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I mean, you miss, you miss the whole point. Remember, tithing is out of a love and a relationship and a response to God. And he says, look what he says, you should have practiced the later. I think he's saying you should have practiced the, the justice, the mercy, the faithfulness without neglecting the former. If he wanted to say, look, we don't have to do tithe anymore, he should have said it then. If you ever argue with, oh, that's Old Testament, we don't have to do it, we're in New Testament, you actually shoot yourself in the foot if you know the Bible because you should be in principle and revelation of the Bible, give way more than the tithe in the New Testament because it's based on better promises. And Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you know, the law says you should not call someone an idiot. I'm going to really paraphrase. Uh, but I say to you, if you, call someone a, if you just call someone a fool, then you, you're worthy of judgment. The law says you shall not uh, commit adultery. But I say to you, if you just lust on a woman, it's a higher standard, isn't it? You, you have committed adultery in your heart. The law says you shall not murder. But I say, if you just have hate in your heart, He's giving you a whole new standard of living because we've got the Spirit of the living God living inside of us. If the law taught that, you should do way more than that. But I've never seen someone that argued the point of should we tithe and should we not ever be more generous than 10% in their life. I'm talking about lifestyle of giving. To give 10% and an offering above that all your life, you would give hundreds of thousands of dollars eventually. And that's the, that's, again, that's why it's an act of worship. That's why it's a beautiful, holy moment. Because money does represent who you are to some degree. It doesn't represent everything, but you, you get up in the morning and I was going to say go to work. Some of us work from home now. But you get up in the morning and give your time, your effort, your energy, your talent, your skill for recompense of physical money or electronic transfer of money. But you get recompense with money. So you've exchanged time, effort, energy, do you know what I mean? Sowing your sweat, tears. In those days, they literally did sweat and tears and, and, and working hard in the, in the, in the fields. Uh, but we work, though, to receive something. So when you give, you're given a part of yourself. That's why God sees it as a holy thing. 
It's connected to who we are. So when we give to God, we say, God, I, I put first your kingdom. And, and, and the tithe, it's in the principle of the whole Bible, it actually says to, to give of the increase, of all of your increase, all over the Bible. I mean, Leviticus says, the law ratified the wisdom of the tithing. This is, this is what Levit- that was me saying that. But this is what Leviticus says in Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the Lord, of the land, whether of the seed of the land and of the fruit of the land, is the Lord's. So it is holy to the Lord. Why does God say it's holy? Because it's the Lord's and it's holy and He's given a designated purpose to it. If you use what's the Lord's, you're, you're actually taking away from His purpose. The Bible actually says, what about if um, I want to use my tithe for a while? Uh, I want to use my tithe. And the, Lord, the Bible actually says you can do it, but you have to pay 20% next time. In the Bible. Now, I, you know, I, don't, I just think spiritually speaking... There's probably some application to that. Well, I don't say necessarily 20%, but if you say, I'm going to take my tithe, I think you're worse off. That's my faith. People say, I can't afford to tithe. Man, you can't afford to not tithe if you believe the Bible. Because God said He blessed the lump that's left over. He says He'll bless your whole life. And we're talking about everything, guys. Please hear my heart. If you get $100, I, I tithe that. If I get a thousand dollars, someone blesses me. I tithe it. We always tithe everything. It's not, oh, it's my wage, but this isn't. This was, that was if it's increase, we give. When we receive inheritance from my mum passing away, we tithe and offer it first. It's just normal. What, whatever we receive as an increase, and it's easy to say it now, but you'll be surprised. We can give when it's small, but all of a sudden, if you get hundred, or was it about hundred million dollars? But let's say ten million dollars, something that might be more realistic as an inheritance. All of a sudden, you've got to tithe one million and give an offering. You ah, I mean, who's done this before? If I win the lottery, Lord, I would tithe to you and I'll give to you. Just let me win the lottery, then I'd give. If you don't learn to give in the faithful and the little things, you're not going to give if you won the lottery. I can tell you now. It's happened. People have won the lottery, they never gave. God's trying to teach us how to handle wealth. If people, you know, there's, what is that? 80, 90% of people that won the lottery in five years' time lost everything. They didn't know how to keep it. They didn't know how to get it in the first place and they won a lottery and in 90, 90% of them lose it. It's the principle of learning how to handle finances. So I, my attitude is this, I feel, is if God blesses you, He brings increase to you, shouldn't, the in, shouldn't that increase flow into the kingdom? If He's the king and He's put these principles in place, imagine if everyone, everyone tithed. I can tell you honestly, if every single person tithed, because in America, I think it's like, oh, what was it, 5% or 9% of the church tithed? We're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars for the sake of the gospel. What could you do with that gospel, the, the preaching of the gospel? We've got to teach this. But if you receive an increase, I think the kingdom should increase. Because you're connected to the kingdom. You're connected to the king. And, and when we all have this heart, it's, you know... And that's why it says that there'll be food in my house. God sets this up so there could be spiritual food. I had a friend of mine who, in the early days, he was a teacher, and he started a church like me at the same time, and I went full-time straight away. He goes, how, how, do, you stay, how do you do full-time? Because he's working still and leading a church. And I said, I teach on tithes and offering. And we weren't getting it. It was just a basic wage. And then he never, ever taught it, but he always stayed on a teacher's way. He had to work full-time. 
So I think the people aren't wor- uh, uh, worse off because when someone, when you teach on tithes and offering and people tithe, then we can dedicate ourselves to God, get the Word of God, fill up with the Word, pray and fast, do the things that God calls us to do, and then equip the saints to get equipped and strengthened and revelation for life and victory and so that you get successful in the kingdom. It's God's pattern. What's he, what's he put in, the things He puts in place. So if I, if I go to a restaurant and I eat food and then the bill comes, I go, oh, sorry, sir, I just want to pay the restaurant down the road for today. Now, if I eat here, I, this is where I, I give. This is where I show my life. God doesn't see it as payment. Freely we receive, freely we give. If you choose not to tithe, you still get fed, you still get blessed, you still, we won't know and we'll still treat you the same. Do you understand? We're not going to, oh, they don't tithe. We never would work that way or live like that. But God wants us to learn for our sake and for the kingdom's sake. I just I believe that. I just believe you'll be blessed by it. I've seen Christian and I's life. We're extremely blessed now. And God is not going to stop that extreme blessing. But He's blessed us. And we should not be, what's the word? Critical, I suppose the word, not, not con- critical, concerned. When you see a man of God that's extremely blessed. It'd be worse if I'm serving the Lord for 30, 40 years and you see me struggling, uh, holes, I do have holes in my jeans sometimes, but <laughs> holes and holes in your shoes, can't afford any shoes, can't afford any clothes, driving a bomb of a car, can't pay my bills. You think, man, do I really want to follow that guy? He's telling me how to live with God. It'd be worse, wouldn't it? Sometimes you've got to make us think the worst. But I, I sometimes might, if the Lord blesses me and I buy an expensive car, what would people think? Now, if that ever happens, it will more likely be because I've been wise with my money and invested somewhere else. And that's what we're doing. We've been wise stewards and asking God and getting ideas and God gives the creativity. But why do we do that? Why do we invest in something? Because we believe in the return of that investment. Many years ago, we finally bought a house. Why? Because I believed in the paying off a mortgage is better than paying rent. I have the value of that, but it takes cost, money, doesn't it, to pay every single week a mortgage payment to pay off a home. Well, how much more the kingdom? To invest in the kingdom is the greatest investment you'll ever make. I'm telling you, all these amazing investments are happening in the digital world, cryptocurrencies, stocks, Apple, Amazon, anything. I mean, you, 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 if you invested in that 25 years ago, you're a multimillionaire. If you invested in Bitcoin, not an advertisement for Bitcoin, I'm just saying if you did in 2012 and bought a thousand of them, you'd be a multi-millionaire. So there's investment money to be made, but I'm telling you the kingdom is the greatest investment you'll ever make. Because it's not just, I'm not just talking about physical investment, I'm talking about a spiritual blessing and protection for your family, for your health, for your marriage, for your peace of mind, for the glory of God. That's the return we get when we put Him first. Not just physical. But you've got to believe that. Or else you, what stops us from giving is fear. If I gave this amount, it would, I would have lack. I'd have less. Well, you're seeing it completely different. You're completely wrong. God's not indebted to no man. And a man reaps what he sows. And you reap what you sow, but guys, you don't, you don't reap what you sow. You reap a harvest of what you sow. Because so a seed becomes a, a, a tree with fruit in it. You reap a harvest of what you sow. You always reap 30, 60, 100 from what you sow. It's not just what I give and I get that back. We reap 30, 60, 100 times back in the kingdom. 
man, we should be the greatest, generous givers. We should release. I, I felt when we were worshiping, I felt, I felt God, there's a breakthrough. Like the whole testimony. I, it was before that, I felt there's a breakthrough anointing. A breakthrough. That's what I'm saying about let's smash this thing. I said it a while ago about the building. Let's, you know, Goliath had, David had to run to Goliath. Get the stone and smash it right between his eyes. What a testimony we can give to this city to say, we smashed and all the, uh, the naysayers, the critical guys, the negative guys, oh, is it possible? Can we really do it? Can we do it? Well, let's just get up and do it. Let's give, please hear my heart, like that widow who gave her last meal to Elijah. I mean, that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to finish, but please hear my heart. <laughs> this is too important. God said to Elijah, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. She's not an Israelite. She doesn't have a covenant with God, but she heard God. God said, I've commanded her to take care of you. And so when Elijah goes to the city, he says, hey, give me a glass, give me some water, please. And she goes, hey, okay. She goes, get the water. Oh, again, by the way, make me a piece of cake, some bread for me. Oh, Lord, listen, listen, Elijah, I've just got a little bit of flour left, a little bit of oil. I'm about to take a few sticks and make, to make a fire, make my last meal with my son, and we're going to die. They're in a drought for three years. And Elijah said, yeah, it's okay, but make me some first. Wow. How hard is it? First of all, how do you have the guts to ask a widow to give you your last meal? I don't know. But, but how hard is it for a widow to say, I mean, Elijah gave the word. So she believed Elijah was a prophet from God. Elijah said, give me that first, and then you will have, and your flour will not run out, your oil will not run out. The financial breakthrough she needed was connected to her giving to the kingdom first she gave a massive offering in the spirit realm the widow with the two mites all she had to live on she gave a massive offering in the spirit realm does that make sense jesus says this widow gave more than all these people they gave of their abundance didn't impress jesus this woman impressed jesus but the reality is Jesus still accepted her offering. He, she, he could have said, oh, no, no, it's your last two months. Sorry, you can keep that. But he let her sow. He let her give. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us everything. But maybe Jesus said, hey, Judas, go, go around the back of the temple. When she gets out, give her this. And maybe gave her a bundle of money. Wouldn't be surprised. It's just our Lord. Like, the Lord is like that. But he received the offering first. Amen. So, so in other words, it needs to cost us something. That's, my point is there, there has to be an, an, an attitude and a heart of sacrifice and obedience to God's voice. That's it. If God doesn't speak, then don't obey. But if he speaks, it's going to be a sacrifice. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your, your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience of your people listening to me. I really appreciate it. Bless them, prosper them, every one of them that walks in obedience and obeys your voice. We just thank you, Father. You just do this all the time. 30, 60, 100 return, not just physical blessing, but every area, Lord, spiritual, emotional, uh, mental, uh, marriage, relational, their children. Bless them in their health. Bless them in the peace of mind. Bless them with their walk with you. Bless them with their children's salvation. Bless them, Father, we pray. We give you the glory. Release your glory. Release your presence. Release your glory, Lord. That, Jesus, you will be glorified. And we have an attitude to give to you as our King. In Jesus' name.
You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.